Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Julie. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you for making time for us. It's great to see you. Thank you, Simon. I feel the same. I'm, I'm really honored to be here and I appreciate the opportunity so much. Yeah, um, you're welcome. And uh, it's great. I'm honored that you've, you're, you're with us. So um, can you introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Sure, absolutely. Um, my name is Julie Wells and I am the executive director of GLAD Adoption Agency in Evansville, Indiana. And GLAD is an acronym for Greater Love Adoption Decision. And we work with um, women who are pregnant and considering adoption for their child. We work with adoptive families who are pursuing all kinds of different adoption scenarios. And then I also work with adopted people who are maybe looking to have a reunion or searching for um, birth parents, biological family, or maybe just need a little bit of counseling to process some of the adoption stuff that they're working on. Um, I do have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social work, and I'm a licensed social worker in the state of Indiana. So I have, um, I've been married 26 years. I have three crazy girls. (laughs) And um, a dog and two fish and some kind of weird lizard fish thing. <laughs> so small zoo at this house. <laughs> you know, we've got two pigs, right? Oh, no. Two pigs. Well, I once um, had a neighbor that had a pig whose belly was so large. They ha- he had to wear a leather vest because when he went outside, it scraped his belly <laughs> our, our pigs are a bit like that too yeah we've got two, two pigs and two labradors and the the labradors you know they would want to eat they eat like pigs but the pigs <laughs> the pigs eat like pigs. <laughs> so, uh, you we had the when we had the chat last um month um or since we had the chat last month you came up with uh some uh, an idea Mm-hmm. Or for the for the for the questions for the you came up with some questions the questions that uh, adoptive parents most and uh, most ask you and yes so the idea was then to run through run through what you've learned about those uh, answering those questions so sure sure and you know I might want to add that I grew up. Um, in a family, in an adoptive family, my brother, I'm a biological child, and then my parents weren't able to have another child. And so my brother was adopted when I was nine years old. And our family has participated in an open adoption throughout my brother's life. And so I have that perspective also of being a part of an adoptive family. But um, I thought I'd mention that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Some personal. So yeah, the it is all about the thriving adoptees uh, podcast is all about perspective. So it's great that you can bring both your lived experience as a, as a adoptive big sister and, uh, yes. and, and your professional experience. That's great. So, so what are the three questions? What's the first question that we're going to okay. talk about? So the first question that I have uh, most commonly is, do I tell my child that they are an adopted person? And if so, like, how do I, how do I do that? Like, how do I talk to my child about their adoption experience? And so absolutely. Yes. 
all adopted people deserve to know that they have been adopted because there are far too many people that know that you adopted this child, that it's really not possible to keep it a secret. And you run the risk of someone else taking charge of that story or that narrative and disclosing that in, to your child in a way that would be less than ideal. And I have even worked with some adult adoptees who didn't, did not know that they were adopted, unfortunately, until one of their adoptive parents passed. And in searching through documents and information, then they learned that they are actually not a biological child. Now their parent isn't present to answer those questions that the adopted person has. So extremely, extremely unwise to not share with your child that they are adopted. I do think that um, I tell adoptive parents all the times, especially because I work in infant adoption primarily. The great thing about adopting a baby is you are gonna make lots of mistakes in starting this conversation with your child, but they will not remember it. (laughs) Before they can even understand, go ahead and start telling the story because really it's practice for you. And I know that all adoptive parents um, don't have that opportunity. Like sometimes adoptive families adopt older children. And so these children aren't gonna remember if they make an error or make a mistake or, or later think, you know, that didn't really come out the way that I wanted it to come out. And in just parenting in general, I mean, I would like to think, I I liked to think at the beginning of my parenting journey that I could be a perfect parent, um, but quickly came to the realization. (laughs) I was lying when I said there were no more Pop-Tarts and no, I do not have any batteries. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> noisy toy. Like it is not possible to be a perfect parent. But when we, because oftentimes our kids come up with questions in the most inopportune times, you know, it's right before bed or we're in the car. We're not anticipating these questions. So if we have a moment where a child like lowers the boom on us and we're like, uh, I did my best in that situation. But then later we second guess. Here's the great news. We can always go back to our kiddo and say, you remember yesterday when you were asking me um, about your biological mom? You know, there are some other things that I wish I would have said in that moment. Or I don't think I said that. I don't think I talked to you about that in the best way that I could. I was kind of unprepared. I'm so glad you asked. But let's talk about it again. Now that I've been able to put my thoughts together, I want to have another conversation. And that's great, right? That's a great way to just recap, go back and and think about it. Um, All kids, all adoptive kids have, I mean, hey, let me start over. All adoptive kids have different interests in their biological families. I have worked with some kids who are very curious about their biology. Where did they come from? Do they have brothers and sisters? What did their biological parents look like? Um, They have lots and lots and lots of questions. I have other kids who on the very other extreme, their parents will say, this child never asks about their adoption. And they definitely know, like we talk about it, we have information available. Um, So I wonder if my child is even thinking about their adoption. So whether your child is very, very curious or very, very quiet about their adoption, I can tell you 100,000% if this child is aware that they are an adoptee, 
they are thinking about their adoption. I don't know, as an adopted person, like how do you, you think that's true also, Simon? Well, it's, it's degrees of. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yes. get, I, I get the impression that my sister thought about it more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, how much more than me? I don't know. Um, I, was, I would say I was right at the uninterested end of the spectrum (laughs) you you know that's really common and I find I don't have any research for this but this is just my anecdotal experience I find in my practice that girls do tend to be much more curious than boys I mean boy men are just kind of task oriented um where I'm adopted I got the info if I have questions, I'll let you know. Um, but girls are a little more relational. They're just wired in general that way. That's a generalization. But um, they're more concerned about the emotional or the relational part of their adoption. What happened? What circumstances did you meet my birth mom? I grew in her belly. What does that mean? Like they have a lot, tend to have a lot more questions. Um, but I do think that one of the primary things that I hear from adopted people, whether male or female, a lot of people will say, I always thought about my adoption or about my birth parents on my birthday. That's a time that just naturally sometimes comes up for adopted people. So I think it's good for adoptive parents to check in every once in a while to say like, you know, your birthday is this month. And and probably adoptive parents are also thinking about when they adopted their child, about the day that their child was born. Some adoptive parents have participated in that day. Many have not. So they don't have information about that day. So sometimes opening a conversation by saying, you know, every year when it comes time for your birthday, I kind of think about the day that you were born too. And I wish I had been there. And this is kind of what I imagine about that day. And then if your child is just like staring at you blankly, like, can I go outside now? (laughs) Then you know, like if that you opened the door, they did not have any questions. But if you open the door and then your child does have some questions, you created an opportunity to give them voice or give them an opportunity to share what they're processing internally. So when I have this talk with parents, the most next thing they say is, well, I wouldn't know what to say, (laughs) you know, what do I say if my child says, yes, I wish I knew, like, for example, with a lot of international adoptees, there is sparse and probably zero information about when they were born. I wish I knew anything about the day I was born, like, how much did I really weigh? Or where was I born? Or, you know, even some adopted people have questions about their true date of birth. Um, so there's lots of questions that come up. So here's, here's one thing everybody can always do. You can always reflect what your child is saying. We do not have to come up with solid answers. We could reflect. Let's just give this example. I have a child asking, I wish I did know Um, details about the day I was born, including like how much I weighed or who was present, then you reflect that back to them. I see you are really thinking about the day you were born and wondering who was there and how much you weighed. I wonder that also. So there doesn't have to be an answer. And you and I know that as adults, like 
sometimes we'll have a chat with a friend and we really don't need them to solve a problem. We just need them to be present with us in that situation and just being present and hearing it. And by reflecting, we're definitely saying to our kiddo, I hear what you're saying. And this is what I think about it. I guarantee you, I've worked with lots and lots of kids. If you give them a reflection that is inaccurate, they will correct you and say, no, that's not what I'm saying at all, right? And then they'll give you something else. So reflection is basically saying back to your child what they have just said to you. And that in and of itself is therapeutic. It's helpful because we're saying to our child, I hear you, I'm listening, and I gave you this opportunity to express what you're feeling inside. And does that make sense? Yeah, it's great stuff. And um, I guess you're a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, you've you've learned all the subject matter might be different. As a as a mum, you know how kids react, you know, because me and my wife have got the two dogs and the two pigs and no kids, so we don't know. (laughs) But you're you're bringing your mum experience to this as well although the because the the issues the issues are different but at, at the end of the day it's about empathy and understanding and our kids for feeling yes validated yeah and reflection is a therapeutic technique um carl rogers is probably one of my favorite psychological theorists and whenever i feel stuck or unsure um what i'm doing with the client you know i just feel like this is a challenging case i can always go back to carl rogers and this works with everybody in every scenario, including your own child. And it's that I'm providing positive regard, right? That means I am listening. I am, I am bringing some positivity to this conversation. I've created a safe environment and I am making sure that the person that I'm communicating with knows I am listening to them. So reflection is a therapeutic technique and anybody can do it. Yeah. Great news. It's free. <laughs> it's the opposite of, of the of the bad salesperson that that says, you know, they try they pitch you on something and then you say, uh, you answer it and and they go, yeah, 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 but, and um, I we see this a lot. I, I see this a lot, mm-hmm. in, not just in salesmanship, but in conversations with people, especially British, um, middle uh, middle class <laughs> British people. We say yes, and there's something in the way of, of the of, of the the tone of what follows the yes. And I, I always think to myself, "There's a book coming." <laughs> yeah, not a not a book with two T's, but with one T. Yes, there okay, is a book coming. <laughs> but, don't bring out the butt. Don't, don't bring out the butt. That is a great point because. When we are, um, when a child begins to process something deep, like their identity as an adopted person or whatever they're bringing to the table, we don't want to bring out the butt. That's not a good time to do that. You yourself need to process what the child is saying. So get in listening mode where you're just reflecting and hearing and you make sure that you are correctly understanding what your kiddo is saying and then process it a little bit. You can always go back to, Remember the other day when you were talking about blah, 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 you know, I've been thinking that I know you feel this way, 
But I'm wondering, you just bring out the, the butt right there, right? I'm wondering if you've thought about it this way. Here's where I find a lot of adoptive parents um, sometimes get tripped up. Adopted parents are just on fire to do everything to make sure that this child has the most wonderful childhood and life experience. They're just like normal parents. Like every parent wants that for their child. Every healthy parent wants that for their child. So when your child pulls some grieving out of their heart because of their adoption experience, or maybe like, they're just kind of sad. Like, I, you know, I don't know anything about Let's just say, for example, I don't know anything about my birth dad. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know. And that's just sad for me. Sometimes adoptive parents will bring out the butt right then and be like, you have a great dad. Your dad here is, you know, he's so awesome. And and that's probably true. All that is probably true. But we're missing identifying the grief that you don't know anything about your biological dad. And you feel sad about that. Of course, I feel sad about that. I wish that we knew something about him. And then that way we're present in that grief. And it's really tempting to not provide some evidence that your life isn't that bad. I mean, it could it could be worse. Like, But we're here and we're doing this. Um, it's hard not to do that, to not fix or correct, but just be present with your child in that moment. Because we don't like it when people bring out the butt either. I don't either. (laughs) That would be a great title for a book, Simon. Don't bring out the butt. (laughs) Okay, let's go go on to another question, right? So um, a lot of adoptive parents get nervous about their child as they grow older, maybe wanting to search for or meet their biological family. Um, So I find I run into this myth a lot that as an adoptive parent, if I've done a really good job, if I've explained adoption well to my child, I've loved them, I've created this open environment, they will never be interested in seeking their biological family. Because if they did, that would mean that I did something wrong. I didn't fulfill something fully as their parent. Could not be farther from the truth. It could not be farther from the truth. I have adopted people that um, a lot of times I have adopted people that contact me sometimes in their 20s. That's kind of the most common client that I have that calls wanting to do an adoption search or has a question about how do I find out about my biological family? I don't want to tell my adoptive parents right now. I'm afraid that will hurt their feelings. So, you know, adopted people are already struggling with if I search for my biological family, how is that going to affect my family? How's that going to affect my mom and dad? I don't want them to feel like I'm rejecting them. However, I would like to know my health history, or I do have these burning questions about where I came from or what this family is like. Again, all adopted people are unique. Some people are going to be very curious and they're going to be on this end of the spectrum. And some people are going to be way over here and really not have any questions at all. I think I I told you um, that my husband is an adopted person. So he grew up with his biological mom and his um, he did not have contact with his biological dad. But his mom married when my husband was very small and that became his dad. He actually adopted my husband. 
So years later, we we were in our, I guess we were about maybe 27 or so. Um, we went to a family funeral and my husband's biological dad came to that funeral. And of course, I am super curious. <laughs> I'm like, that's your biological dad. Like, do you want to go over and talk to him? Like, if you're not comfortable, do you want me to talk to him? Do you? And he's like, I don't, I really don't want to talk to him. And I don't want you to talk to him because I don't know that man. That's not my dad. My dad is standing right here. And that really bugged me. <laughs> I was like, what? You don't want to talk to this. But, you know, that was his, that's how he felt as an adopted person. Like, he's a stranger to me. I really don't need any information from him. And, and that's where he was in that part of his journey. And it really doesn't mean anything about how he was raised or about his adoptive dad or his mom. It's just how he processed that as an individual. And then other people, you know, are very curious from a young age. And so we just kind of follow the leading of the adopted child. But it certainly does not mean that the adoptive family has failed in some way to fulfill their role as a parent. It's just curious, a more curious child. Sure, sure. And go ahead. I'm so sorry. No. um, So you said the key thing, I think for me, you said was follow the, where the child's going. So, you know, we may have expectations. Adopted parents may have expectations about this, but I guess we don't really want to put those expectations on our kids. So like, you know, how did your husband feel when you were, suggesting that he went to go see his, his bio dad you know like you know your, your husband's a grown man he can he he, he can take the the um yes the difference mm-hmm. whereas a child may not or, or a more sensitive a more sensitive yes. adult yes um well i do have some adoptive parents who have started in an open adoption and as their child becomes older and they are aware like this is my birth mom um sometimes they grow uncomfortable with those visits and it is always best to we're all grown-ups right we should all be grown-ups so we don't want to put a child in a situation that it becomes very uncomfortable for them. So if the child begins to act out after visits with bio family, um, or, you know, you just notice as a parent, like, I don't think this is going good for them, or maybe they express it. I don't want to do this. Then we need to rethink what we're doing because mom and dad can always send, if you have a relationship or a connection with the biological family or parent, You can always send pictures and updates and videos or do things like that. But right now, um, you know, little Johnny is just not handling um, these visits very well. We're going to we're going to take a step back and let him kind of reorient and see where he is. Um, Another situation I had is I had an adoptive mom who had adopted two children. They do not share the same um, biology. So one child was very curious. A girl, she was the oldest child, very curious. She met not only her um, biological family, but she also met a biological half sister that was placed with another family. And they kind of, the two kids of their half siblings, have really made a strong connection with one another. And so everyone's super happy about that. Like it's going very well. Now, the second child is a boy and his biological family has reached out. Like if he ever wanted to meet us or know us or 
anything, we would be more than happy to do that. And he is like, nope. it's not a bad thing it is it is neither here nor there it is just he's not comfortable with it and so okay that's okay that's okay we don't have to force people into any kind of connection because it's a lot to process and if you're not an adopted person I don't know that non-adopted people can really understand the amount of information you're trying to integrate into your being. And that may not be helpful. Yeah. Integrate into my being. Um, that's, uh, that's a tricky one. I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, uh, yeah. I wouldn't know where to start with that one. What does that mean? What? So, okay. To me, it just, I'm glad you said that. So to me, it means like identity formation. And we, we find that adolescence is a horrible time for all of us, right? We're trying to figure out who we are. Where's our place in the world? Where did I come from? What does that mean about me? And adopted people have an extra step because they have their family that they grew up in and they've, you know, inherited and they've learned a lot of their family values and traits and maybe even absorb some of their personality or their interests and likes. But there's a whole nother group of people out there that they belong to. And so what do I know about this group of people and where does that fit into who I am? What do I know about that? So I can talk about a couple of examples from my my family's experience. Um, My brother grew up not liking sugar. Um, He didn't like cake. He didn't really like ice cream, even like gum. He didn't really care for gum or candy. That's weird. (laughs) Most parents are trying to limit sugar, but in a cool way, um, his biological mom, his birth mother, same. Her name's Tana. She also did not like sugar. So every year on my brother's birthday, we'd all have cake. He'd blow out the candles, not have any of it, and we would eat it. Now he could throw down some steak and potato, like like still to this day, you know, and that's a little different. I mean, a lot of people like sugar. And so um, do you think like as a kid to have some kind of oddity, you could say in, in a situation, um, oh, my mom doesn't like sugar either. But in my brother's situation, he would have to explain a whole big thing about, well, my birth mom doesn't like sugar. I'm like her. I'm like, well, what do you, you have a birth mom? What does that mean? Like, well, I have a two families. You know, <laughs> maybe you just want to say, no, thank you. I don't want to have any cake. I think uh, that's probably the safest. <laughs> safest yes, open exactly. And we're all very social in my um, family. We're all very social and outgoing. My brother's a little more introverted. So he has told me that at times, you know, that made him feel very different than our family. Um, and that's more like his biological family. So like, you know, you have to work on all that. You have to work on your personality, how, how it may be similar to your adoptive family or different. And all of those things have to integrate into who you are as a person. Um, Cause otherwise my brother might just feel weird. Like, why am I so quiet? And I don't like people, but knowing, well, you know, my biological family, they're also very introverted and reserved. And so I'm like them in that way. Yeah. I, I I didn't have that kind of stuff going on for me. So 
I guess the the thing is that there's no hard and fast rules on this stuff. It, no, it's spectrum, right? It's spectrum. It's on a it, it, it's a, it's a spectrum of uh, uh, of stuff. Uh, I can't think of anything better to say than stuff. So. No, yes, you're exactly right. And so, because you didn't have that process inside of yourself, that means nothing. I mean, it means <laughs> nothing's wrong with you. You didn't do anything incorrectly. Like that's just your bend, and it's okay. All of that is okay. I think we sometimes, especially from the adoptive parent perspective, um, we at times don't talk about adoption enough, and then in other times, it's overload right? Like I have parents that are just very sensitive and they think every behavior goes back to the fact that their child was adopted. Not really. Like kids lie. I don't know. (laughs) Kids break rules. Kids throw fits. Kids. I mean, like some of it is just kid behavior and stuff that kids do. And, but we're we're not all, it's not always adoption related. We get a little hypersensitive sometimes about that. I think it's good to have the knowledge, but then also to just follow the leading of your kiddo and nobody knows this kiddo better than the people who are raising this child. I, I had, was talking to an adoptive mom um, yesterday and she said, she said something um, and, and, and said that, you know, this is clearly related to the adoption or didn't clearly, you know, like she, she just said this. And I, mm-hmm. and I thought, nah, I'm not so sure, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel it appropriate to kind of call her out on it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, but I, I do have, have people, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a rabbit hole trying to get into this. Is this, is this adoption related or isn't it re- uh, adoption related? I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a complete rabbit. Well, it, it is for me, you know, in, 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 mm-hmm. in thinking about, what's going on for me I know it's a rabbit hole and I I never really come up with an answer you know not all questions have to have an answer right and and therefore it's a bit of a waste of time pondering it you know um uh uh, so I I was gonna I had something quite big to share then but it's uh it's kind of gone for the moment um I hate when that happens yeah (laughs) Okay, yeah, here's the thing. Yes, it okay. is. It's come back. So it, something happened, right? I can't remember exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. if if it's if it's a kind of it, it, this is how I felt about it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's an adoption issue, then it's fixed, right? If it's a human issue, then it's not fixed. So if if we pin everything, if we pin the tail, if we pin the tail on the adoption donkey all the time, then we think, well, we're powerless to do anything about it. Mm-hmm, correct. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're saying this is, well, this is due to the adoption and therefore, um, you know, the adoption is a fact mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, that can't be changed. Mm-hmm. And so we're stuck with it. Right. Mm-hmm. If we think, well, no, this is just a human issue. This is a, a mood issue. This is a, a belief issue. This is a thought issue. This is a feeling issue. Then suddenly there's a bit of playroom. You know, like um, uh, I'm thinking about teeth, like baby teeth, mm-hmm. wiggle, mm-hmm. a wiggle room, right? So if, you know, a wiggle the, root? Wiggle, That's a baby wiggle, tooth? 
wiggle, no wiggle room, you know, like a baby, a baby oh. tooth wiggles, you know, before learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a wiggle room, a, a, a tooth gets loose, a baby mm-hmm. tooth gets loose and then it comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we're saying that a, a, an issue is adoption specific and therefore I can't do anything about it. It's, it's set in stone. There's mm-hmm. no wiggle room to look mm-hmm. at the issue, bring it out into the open and say, mm-hmm. can I do something about this? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it can. So that's how it was for me. Right. Yes. I felt mm-hmm. if, if, if something was a, an adoption issue, the adoption has happened, that's done deal. It can't be undone. Then I'm stuck with it. Yeah. I felt, I felt very disempowered, but when I, when I realized things were a human issue, or you know, like what, like a consciousness, I, I call mm-hmm. it, you know, consciousness issue. Then, then it, we've got all we, everything's to play for. We, we can get back in the game. So, I think that's one of the dangers of pinning everything on the adoption donkey. Is it? It it it, it suddenly seems to be less. It seems to be more of an intractable issue. Mm-hmm. Like it can't be changed. This is just how it is. Yes. So I'm going to say there's so many issues like that that are fixed. Like I'll give you an example. If you were abused as a child, you can't ever change that. You can't change the past. If you had a very uh, significant trauma, like some medical crisis, I mean, you'll never be able to change that. However, even when it, even when something gets pinned on a fixed issue, this is where I would explore as a therapist is what is the narrative? What is the story that you are telling yourself about this fixed issue? Because there's probably some things in there that we could say, eh, you know, the story that I might be telling myself may not be accurate or it may not be helpful. And so I need to adjust this narrative that I've got playing in my head over and over that's telling me whatever, like um, for adopted people, sometimes they get very sensitive to rejection because they've interpreted um, their adoption as a rejection. And so then we say, okay, well, let's let's go back and let's explore that. Let's explore um, what happened in your adoption. I mean, could it be that, um, your parents were, okay, for example, a child that um, is removed from a home because their parents are drug addicted. I mean, at that point, was that the best thing for you? I mean, did your parents reject you because they didn't get sober or were they not able to get sober? Um, that Because I've worked with a lot of <laughs> drug addicted people and I can tell you that um, it's a beast. I mean, drug addiction is a beast. I wish I could say easily that, well, you know what the problem is? People just need to get it together and get clean and take care of their life. And no, I'd love to say that if it was that simple, everybody would be clean and living right. But maybe it's part of the narrative that we're telling. Maybe it's part of how we're looking at it. And can we change that? Can we, can we work on that and just consciously decide this is the story that I'm going to tell myself. Okay. So I'm cautious. I'm conscious of time. And, okay. I, think, and I think that that subject is a fascinating subject. And I think, <laughs> do, I think we should do another podcast when, when, you're, when your schedule allows to look at this narrative stuff. Because uh, I heard this expressed very, uh, very 
well by an American guy last mm-hmm. month. And he said, we think that the voice in our head is CNN when really it's the comedy channel. <laughs> yes, he's correct. I agree with that. <laughs> Put that in your book about don't give me your butt. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me your CNN. Yeah, don't turn off CNN. Turn it off. That's exactly right. That's very good. That is a very good way to put it and easily understood. <laughs> we, when we laugh, when we can laugh mm-hmm. it's in our head, we know that we're making progress. Yes, right. Most of us as adults take the voice in our head. Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, no me. I, I yes, no, yeah. I battle with my own thoughts about myself, right? So, like, there, I usually say this marker. Like, if whatever you're thinking negatively about yourself, would you say that to your best friend? And if the answer to that is appalling, like, no, I would not say that to someone else. Then don't say it to yourself. Why am I saying it to myself? Sometimes the meanest person to me is me. Mm. Well, you're opening a can of worms on my favorite. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> I wanna, I, I'm going to challenge you, Julie. We're going to have we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a challenging uh, a debate on that on that topic. Um, okay. Have you have you have got your third question, or have we done it? Yeah, I think the third question we kind of covered it also, but let's just go back. Sorry, my phone went off with my notes. Oh, what if my child is not curious about her adoption, or what if she is? If not oh, well, it's okay. Just let it be. If your child is curious, what steps do I take? I think it's very important. I, I love to share this story and I've shared it with countless adoptive families. I had uh, worked with a precious adoptive mom. She was actually a nun here locally in our community. And she left the order because she got really focused um, in her prayer life, just about orphans and the plight of the orphan. And so she left the order so that she could adopt. And she did. She adopted two little girls from China. And um, I thought she gave me the wisest advice about how to talk to a child about adoption. She said, I just answer the questions that they ask. Like when her kids were old enough to formulate, um, hey, did I grow in your belly? Her answer was, no, that's it, (laughs) just no. And I was thinking to myself, oh gosh, I don't think I could have that kind of restraint. You know, I would have probably thought, oh, this is the moment. I need to have this, you know, intense conversation. Um, But instead she just said no. And I waited for them to be able to process that enough that they could come back with me with a different question. If I didn't grow in your belly, then whose belly did I grow in? Because she, her, her um, perspective is that sometimes we overload kids with too much information and then they avoid these conversations. I was like, yes, that makes total sense to me. We just answer the questions that they ask. Now, if you have raised a curious child, um, you and I both know that if you give this child the answer, no, you know, did I grow in your belly? No. And this child is curious, immediately they're going to have a follow-up question. <laughs> you know, there are some kids, they, they are going to come up with question after question after question. But that tells you they're ready for the next part of that conversation. Because if you answer short, you know, in brief, and then they can't formulate another question, maybe they're not ready 
for that information. So these conversations are open. They are evolving. Um, there are certainly some details about adoption that we do not share with little kids. Um, for example, let's say that um, the reason why we don't know who birth dad is, is that someone is pregnant out of the result of a sexual assault. And that's a pretty heavy thing to, you know, lay on a seven-year-old. So would not recommend that. Like, we don't know. We don't know who your birth dad is. What we do know is that he is not a safe person. That's it. And I guess we'll know our child's normal questioning kind of approach. So we're going to we're going to be able to detect a difference between the, the way questions normally go and mm -hmm. the way this question is going. And if that, if there's a, if the, if those two are out of kilter, then we know that maybe we need to take another look at this or. Yes. Yeah. And in, remember in the adoption conversation with kiddos, if you don't know what you should say, always go back to reflection. You, okay. So if I said to a kiddo, we don't know anything about your birth dad because he is not a safe person. And they would say, well, I want to know about him. I want to know what he looks like. I want to know that we say, I understand that you would really like to know what your birth dad looks like. I would like to know that also. I'm sorry. We don't know that. I wish we knew that also just go back to reflecting your, your the concern that you hear from your child. We don't always have to have, the answer and I don't know is an answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. And I let me think about that a little bit before I give you an answer. Now let me think about that for just a minute. Or let me um hmm that's a really good question. I might have to work on that before. That's okay. Did you that's share okay. did you share that with the nun or the ex-nun? I don't mm -hmm. know is an answer. No, I think she taught me that. She told you that. Oh, okay. I was very, that was very early in my career as a social worker. And I thought that was very wise information. And I just followed her, which was, you know, kind of terrible. But in China at the time, you, I had to go in like every year for so many years and do uh, follow-up visits with her and her children. But it was great because I got to watch how this all unfolded in her home. And for her kids, that worked very well. I have shared that over and over and over um, with parents telling me, oh my goodness, this worked so good. I really should find her and tell her, you really need to write a story about <laughs> how you came up with this method because she's, it worked very well. But she's an expert, she's not gonna wanna talk about butts. True. <laughs> maybe i'll write it <laughs> julie thank you this has been great been great oh good um, i enjoyed it also it's uh it's been great you know uh some of the some of uh, all our conversations are different all the perspectives are different i think um this has been a great one from like a, a practical thing like i would never know this i can obviously i can give my um, perspective on it but I can't give a, a parent's perspective on it and I'm not an adopted parent. So um, I, I wouldn't know this stuff. Um, and, um, I, and I know that some people crave that, that this yes. stuff. So it's nice to mix it up. I think maybe we should do some more kind of practical podcasts, practical episodes. So I would love to. Yeah. 
Good on you, lovely. Thanks, thanks for a lot for listening. And um, check out what Judy's doing. I'm going to put some links in the show notes um, to her agency uh, and check out what she's doing. Check her out on what social, and we'll see you all again soon. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.